Thank you for joining us on our podcast for Faith Center Church. We hope today's message builds you up and brings you hope right where you're at. Hope you enjoyed the message. Well, I want to talk a little bit about leadership. I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter uh, 20. Yeah, 1 Kings chapter 20. I want to talk tonight, and I just want to talk to you. I'm not going to preach at you. I'm not, I may step on your toes, but it won't be on purpose. You know, I always tell people, if the Word of God hits you between the eyes, that's on you, not me. Amen? Because it hits me between the eyes all the time. But uh, as you turn to 1 Kings chapter 20, I want to talk about guarding yourself in the in-between times. Guarding yourself in the in-between times. And a lot of this is going to have to do with accountability. I was talking with Naomi earlier. You know, we talk about we talk about accountability. You always, when somebody says, well, you know, what about accountability? You instantly think, I'm going to hold that person accountable. But really, before you can hold anybody else accountable, you have to hold yourself accountable first. There has to be self-accountability. And I believe this message will apply to every person here. I believe it will challenge you. And I believe you'll leave with something here tonight. Amen? So we're going to begin reading verse 39. Now as the king passed by, he cried out to the king and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle. And there a man came over and brought a man to me and said, Everybody say these three words with me. Guard this man. Guard this man. Now, the King James Version says, keep this man, okay? But guard this man. If by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. While your servant was busy here and there, remember this, while your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. The king of Israel said to him, so shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. Father, speak to the heart of every person here and watching online right now in Jesus' name. This story right here unfolds on a battlefield. And a battlefield in the Old Testament was very chaotic, very noisy. Soldiers were directed by a trumpet blast and chauffeurs, and it was just kind of Kind of weird, to be honest with you. But there were clashing of swords, rumbles of chariots and horses, and there was screaming and yelling of men and hand-to-hand combat, and just, just chaotic. And in the middle of this battle, the king says to one of the men fighting for him, I've captured someone, and your particular assignment is to guard this man. Now, even though the war's going on around you, your primary responsibility, church, is to guard or keep this man, yourself. Man is just kind of using that as a general saying. You've got to keep yourself. The word keep or guard means to hedge in with thorns. Okay? He said, put boundaries around him And make sure he doesn't escape. Now, and to to add to the seriousness of this order, 
he said, this man is missing when I come for him, then it will be your life for his life. So he's laid out a pretty serious order here. Pulled him off the battlefields so he wasn't preoccupied with this and that and all that was going around during that time. He wanted him to be totally focused more than anything else on hedging in and guarding this man. Now, when the battle was over, the king came back and just like he said he would. And How many are glad that one day our king is coming back? Amen? Amen. Just like he said he would. But anyway, the only thing the king wanted to know from that soldier was, did you keep this man? Did you guard this man? Because I gave you responsibility for him. Where is the man that I put you in charge of? Well, the man had escaped. And the king was like, dude, you only had one job. You had one job. Pulled you off the battlefield. This is all you had to do. Take care of the man and you can't do it. What was it? What was so important that distracted you from guarding and keeping him? The king asked him that. He said, were you overpowered by the enemy? He said, no, sir. He said, were you seduced by a woman? He said, no, sir. He said, did you forget about the order that I gave you? He said, no, sir. His answer was a classic. What did he say? We read in scripture. I just got busy here and there. How many times do we get busy here and there? You don't know how many people I've called that aren't sitting in this church right now. They go to this church. They call this their church. And I say, hey, we've missed you. Where you been? I've just been busy here and there. Being busy here and there will cost you. It will cost you. And the king said to him, so shall your judgment be. You have lost the man, therefore you will lose yourself. It's going to cost you your life. The soldier told the king, he wanted him to know that the man didn't escape because he was lazy. He said, I was just busy. I was just busy doing this and doing that. I just got busy and I got distracted. I forgot about guarding him. And how many know busyness distracts you? Busyness will rob you of the very thing God is wanting you to be involved in. It will distract you. He was distracted from guarding the man for the king. And just like everybody in here, hey, we all get busy, amen? I get it. I do too. And like most men, he had responsibilities. He had other things he had to do in his life. This right here isn't my only life. This church thing and preaching and living for God. I have other responsibilities too. I got a mortgage payment like you do. I got a car payment. I got to provide for my family. Like most of you, I'm a very busy person too. But he got busy over here and he got busy over there and he forgot to guard him. And the king said, this was top priority. I simply just got busy, king. But the man told me he would stay here. I mean, he peaky swore that he would stay. He wasn't going anywhere. 
I bet if we really looked into what the man was busy doing, it wasn't a big thing. It was probably small, little bitty things. Because it's the small things that would distract you. He probably started out doing small things close to where the man was being held. Just kind of started out. Then he went out further and further, and before you know it, he turns around and because he's thinking, you know, about less and less about the man escaping. I'm saying this, the king knew the man needed to be guarded. And that man today, listen to this, here's the big thing. That man today that needs to be guarded is our old nature. That's where I'm going with this. It's our old nature. We are to guard who we are. We are to guard our hearts. The Bible talks about that. The issues of life spring from where? The, the heart. We've got to keep this man from lust of the flesh, amen, and pride of life. Hedge him in with thorns. Have perimeters. Have boundaries, church. You just can't let old self go wild. Because you can't trust what he'll do. Amen? And I'm making this a generic thing. Not, I know I'm using the man and he and that, but this is for everybody. This is not just for us men. He'll tell you he won't do things, but if you don't guard him, and if you don't hedge him in, he's a wild man. He will fool you, and your flesh cannot be trusted. Everybody say, my flesh cannot be trusted. I know that's for a fact. You know, what Paul say about the flesh? There's no good thing in my flesh. That's what Paul said. That's why you have to hedge him in or thorn him in with thorns because he'll try to get out. Now, here's something to think about. The soldier wasn't a bad man. He was just what? A busy man. He was trying to accomplish things in his life, maintain a lifestyle for his family, he was just like most of us. We're just busy. Busy, busy, busy. Why didn't you come to church last week? Ah, oh, I was busy mowing the grass. I had to mow that grass, you know, and had to go with the wife and get groceries, you know. Well, what about the week before that? Well, I had to work on my car, you know, my car. And then, went, then I went fishing with my buddy. It's not that he's a bad man. He's just a busy man. But he's not guarding Watch this, the spiritual man. You're not, you be careful because you're not guard, you won't guard the spiritual man. Here's another thing I want you to see. He didn't, write this down, he didn't lose the man on purpose. Most of the time, we just kind of drift away little by little. Come on. We just kind of drift away. Just a little here, just a little there, and before you know it, we're just far away from God. Listen, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. Has that ever happened to anybody besides me and I'm the pastor? Well, I, I don't have time to read my word today because I'm busy. When I don't read my Bible, I rob two people. I rob me and I rob you. When you don't read your Bible, you rob yourself. And so what happens before you know it? You're just far away from God. 
far, far away from who you are. Far from the character and the anointing that you once possessed and walked in. That's why you've got to guard. And when I say guard this man, I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about right here. You've got to guard this right here. This is made perfect. When Christ comes into your life, it's made perfect. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. Cannot be broken. This is a daily thing. This is daily. Has to be saved daily. By how? The renewing of your mind. The reading of God's Word. You've got to keep this man, this man right here, worshiping and praising God. You've got to keep him in church. You've got to keep this man obedient to doing God's Word. Your number one priority is not, listen to me, your marriage or your children. Your number one priority is guarding this right here. Men, ladies, guarding this right here. And I've heard people say, well, I'm just so worried about my children. And I get that. But here's the deal. If I don't keep this thing right right here, there's no way I can help my children. If I don't keep this right right here, there's no way I can influence my wife. If I don't keep it right up here, there's no way I'm going to have an impact on everyone that's hearing me right now. See, the key to this entire thing is I have to guard right here. I got to guard it. I got to keep him from ungodly sites on the internet. Come on. I'm going to preach it right where it's at. I got to keep him from a bad attitude. Ooh, that, that one can get me a lot. I can, I, can, I can go from just super happy to a really bad attitude pretty quick sometimes. I'm just being honest with you. I got to keep him from being dishonest. I got to make sure his thoughts are pure. I got to make sure his moral compass stays intact. I got to make sure he's just not another good old boy going through life, you know, making it from paycheck to paycheck. I got to keep goals. I got to keep dreams right up in here. And I got to stay focused. And you do too. You do too. And I know we don't talk about, you know, this, this stuff a lot. But listen, if we don't hedge this man in, the enemy will cause this right here to escape. If you lose him, you're going to lose yourself. You're going to lose yourself. And that's serious, folks. We get busy, all of a sudden, this man's gone. Here's the thing. Where you live and where you're at is a battlefield. Hear that. And the battlefield is the flesh. And the battlefield is the devil. And there's noise and there's chaos. And you got to deal with all that junk. But one day the king's going to come back. And when the king comes back, he's going to ask one question. How did you keep this man? How did you deal with this right here? Did you guard him? The Bible says every man is drawn away when he is tempted by his own lust. Peter summed it up in Acts uh, chapter 2 when he said, save yourself. Look at Acts chapter 2 verse 40.
And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Your greatest responsibility is to guard you. Get that. That's your greatest responsibility. There's never been a time when there was more of an opportunity to live immoral and get all kinds of junk attached to you than there is right now. You've got to keep this man from addiction. I've got to keep this man from perversion. We've got to hedge this man in with how? God's Word. That's how you do it. You hedge him in by reading that Word. You hedge him in by renewing this thing called your mind every single day. You hedge it in. We just can't listen. We just can't live how we want to live and just throw a blanket of grace over our junk. I thought that would be a better response. Sometimes it hurts. That's why you don't get a response. We can't just live how we want to live. Well, grace will cover it. Yes, once Jesus saves you, the Spirit is saved. But let me tell you something. You've got to deal with this thing called the flesh. Every single day. And you've got to take the body and you've got to hedge it in. We've got to learn to take this body and bring it under subjection. Let me give you a good example of that. Have you ever gone on a diet? Let's talk about bringing the body under subjection. Have you ever gone on a diet? It happens to a lot of people every Monday. You know, Monday, I'm going to start this new diet. And by Tuesday... Next Monday, I'm going to get serious about this new diet. Why? Because we can't subject our flesh to what we want to eat. You know, years, I guess about two or three years ago, I went on this keto diet. I lost like 50, almost 60 pounds. And, and I've done a pretty good job of keeping it off, but I put a little bit of it back on. And I tell Tracy about every Friday or Saturday, listen, we're going to eat this, but starting Monday, we're going back on keto. She looks at Susan Miles and she goes, okay. You know what that means? No, you're not. But okay. And, and, and that's a good example of how you bring, you got to discipline yourself, folks. You know, Trent's back there, Trent was an athlete before he was a coach, and he can tell you this. Listen, athletes, they got to discipline themselves. They got to get out there and they got to run. They got to lift weights. They got to get in shape. They got to put their time in and practice. They got to practice like it's game time. If you don't and you don't discipline yourself, you will ride what they call the bench. You won't get in the game. And you know whose problem it is and whose fault that is? Yours. Because you didn't subject yourself and discipline yourself to put in the time to go to the gym and work out and run the laps around the track. It's amazing how you can correlate physical discipline with spiritual discipline. Paul said this, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I discipline my body, 
Bring it in subjection. In other words, if I, think, if I can't do it, I shouldn't stand up here and preach it. Listen, I'm tough on myself. You know why? Because I can't let my flesh do what my flesh wants to do. And neither can you. You've got to guard it. Because one day the trumpet's going to sound and the king is coming back. And he's going to ask, did you keep this man? Did you guard it? Listen, if I'm not a godly example, my kids won't serve God. If you're not a godly example, your kids won't serve God. Most of the men who were lost in the Bible were, listen, were not lost in the battle. Think about that. Samson did awesome in the battle. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Romans 7, 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is to present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who feels, one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warning against the law of my what? Mind. Catch that right there. The law of my mind. And bringing into captivity to the law of sin, which is my members. Talking about the body here. The power of God literally came upon Samson. He had fought a thousand not a hundred, a thousand Philistines and kill them all with a jawbone of a donkey. Think about that. At times, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him and the Bible says he'd kill a lion with his bare hands and rip his jowls to pieces. I don't know when's the last time you fought a lion, but that's powerful, folks. It's been a while since I fought a lion. But I'm going to tell you something, that is powerful. My point is this. Anybody can live for God when the Spirit of God comes upon them. But what about those, title of my message, in-between times? What about those in-between times? See, we've got to learn the art of living for God in the in-between times. When we're not in service singing praise, and worship songs like we were a while ago. And everybody's mind is on good things. When I'm out living life, that's when I've got to use discipline. Amen? Discipline to keep this right here. Keep my anger. Keep my tongue. Keep my heart. Keep this body. Keep this mind. Keep these eyes. Keep these ears in subjection. Keep, them, keep everything under subjection. Thorn it in. Hedge it in. It's important. See, you've got to speak to your body. Here's what you've got to say. There are limits and things that I will not let you do. I have literally said that before. Usually it's when I'm driving down the road. We're not going to do that. We're not going to say that. We're not going to text that. You know what my body says? But it sure would feel good. 
the flesh, don't you want to say that? Don't you want to tell that driver that cuts you off, you're, they're the num- you're the number one driver on the road? Flesh can, get, flesh can get ugly. Let's just be honest. Listen, don't let your mind write checks your body can't cash. Quote from a good Tom Cruise movie. I believe that was. Listen, there are going to be times when God will move in an extremely powerful way. And we've experienced a lot of those services lately. God just begins to move during praise and worship. Sunday, I don't know if you, I don't know if you were here or not Sunday, but my goodness, the, the Spirit of God was moving during praise and worship. People were coming, Tracy Edwards said, I just felt God's anointing, just people crying during praise and worship. But here's the thing. Most of the time, and listen to me very carefully, it's not the Spirit of God is on me mightily. Most of the time is the in-between times. I'm just going to work. I'm just doing life. I'm just paying bills. And that's when you've got to really hone in and watch this man. And here's another key. If you can keep this mind of this man in the in-between times, as much as you do when you're anointed, then the Spirit of God will come upon you mightily. Because here's the thing, God watches what we do in those in-between times more than what we do when He's mighty. Come on, I'm helping you today. My greatest time in ministry is not behind this pulpit. I'll say that again. My greatest time in ministry, the greatest times I've had, is not behind a pulpit. But when I'm just driving down the road in my truck, worshiping, praise worship music, praying to God, having my prayer time. And you know what I've come to understand? It's what I do with my in-between time that really counts. I got to keep this mind in prayer. I got to keep this mind in the Word of God. I got to keep this person me, coming to church. I've got to guard this soul man. Now, listen, everybody, every man in here would do anything for your family. I'd die in a heartbeat for my family. But the greatest thing I can do for my family is keep this man right here intact. Man, that's the greatest thing you can do for your family. Because if I can do that, I'll influence my daughter. i influence my son. i influence my wife if I can keep this thing right here in, 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 intact. Keep him, in, keep him in prayer. Keep him godly. Keep him holy. Keep him loving Jesus. Keep his heart pure. Keep his eyes pure. Listen, don't let bitterness and anger get a hold of this right here. Head your mind in. Get, get this mind right here. Listen, I've done it many times. Get him some boundaries. You better. You better. Just like a battery has a positive and a negative post, we need, listen, you're not hearing me wrong, we need negatives in our lives. We need some thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. We need that thorny hedge if we want power in our lives. See, the reason the king said keep this man, guard this man, and hedge him in with thorns is because, 
You might, you might want to write this down. You can't trust you. You, you can't trust you. I mean, we, we look real good in church, but the truth is we can't trust ourselves. I mean, I'm a preacher and I do the best that I can, but sometimes I can't trust me. I, got, I get in the flesh. I make some mistakes. I know that shocks many of you. But if I put myself, here's this, if I put myself in situations and I don't have my hedge up, I, don't, I promise you, I don't trust me. Because here's what happens. We lie to ourselves. Oh, I will never do that. And we just straight lie to ourselves. Then you look, look around and one day you're just wandering off. Doing what you said you'd never do. I remember, and I think I've told this story before, but it works really good here in this message. I'm going to tell it again. In the 90s, when the power team, we were the first ministry to come into Russia when the walls came down. And there was, there's literally still people in 2021 that missionaries are telling our office in, in Dallas, Texas. I keep in contact every now and then with them. But people are still saying, I was saved when those guys were here in the 90s. They, they had three stations, and they broadcasted our crusades. We were in Olympic stadiums just holding 50, 60, 70,000 people. It was just it was crazy. But we were there for 21 days. I was telling Michael and Shannon, it's the most depressing place I've ever been in my life. It, physically, you can ask my wife, it affected me mentally. I'm not talking about I got you know, mentally ill or nothing. I'm just talking about it depressed me. I had to get out of a funk. It was just so, I mean, they, you know, they, they put us in five-star hotels. Let me tell you what a five-star hotel is over there in Russia. It's the equivalent of a cockroach Motel 6. No offense, Motel 6. You know, you think, well, five-star motel. It was, it was, no, it was bad. And we were there 21 days, me and a team of guys, myself and six, six or seven other guys, and I mean, we saw incredible results. I mean, we saw amazing, we saw multiple, I mean, one altar call, I had 50,000 Russians come forward except Christ, one altar call. So we saw incredible things. But here's, here's why I say that. 21 days we had been there, those men had not seen their wives. And they were ready, if you know what I mean, to see their wives. And you'd walk into your five-star hotel, and in the lobby, there would be six beautiful Brunette, blonde, redhead, prostitutes waiting for us to come in. And they wouldn't charge an American because to get an American was considered a trophy. And I remember this one very pretty young lady came up to me and she said, would you like to, you know, go upstairs? I said, no, I would not. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I didn't speak Russian, I said, I'm married. And she goes, it doesn't matter. I said, it does to me. And trust me, it does to my wife. My wife will kill me and tell God I died. You laugh, but that's true. I mean, and here's the thing. I mean, when you minister, you give out and you give out and you give out. And you, and you know, that's when the enemy comes, when you're weak. You could just see these men when these beautiful ladies were in the lobby of this motel. You could see them lose their entire focus of the ministry as these women walked by. 
And I remember one time it happened, and I mean, the God just put on me, and I just, these women walked by, and these guys were like, oh. and I went, great job, Jesus. And they all went, oh, yes, amen, amen, pray, amen, amen. One time I had a, an old preacher, preacher tell me this. He said, Craig, there are three reasons. I remember this. I'll never forget this. There are three reasons why I don't commit adultery. I said, okay. He said, number one, God's against it. Number two, they tell. Number three, murder is not beneath my wife. And he was walked off. I'll never forget that. Man, listen, man, that right there will save your life, I promise you. And it's also saved your wife from killing you, too. But here's the thing. Listen, we need more straight-talking church. Come on, man. We need more straight-talking church. John said, keep yourself from idols. You know what an idol is? It's when you put anything before God. Nothing should come. No. Nothing can come before God. Nothing. For me and my family, nothing has ever come before God. Nothing. And if anything, hear this, if anything comes before God, it's an idol. And you're not keeping this right here right. We're on Satan's hit list. And listen to me, men. You're number one on the hit list. He's gunning for you. You know why? Because the man is the head of the family unit. And the devil knows if he can take the head out, then he can walk. He can take that whole entire family out. Don't give up, guys. Because if he refuse to give up on you and you fight for yourself, your family will win. Your family will win. Amen? Hope you got something out of that tonight. I'm done. But I want to tell you this. God, I believe, is going to raise a standard within all of us not just men, but all of us in this church. And I believe you're going to rise to the occasion. And I, here's what else I want to tell you. As you rise to the occasion, as that accountability becomes stronger with you and God, and reading, you're reading that word and praying and having your personal time with God, you can just count on, not expect, you can count on the blessings of God to begin to overtake your life. You can count on things that you never thought you would see begin to happen. And here's why. Because once you get your priorities straight with God, everything else begins to line up. You know, I, I've been saved since I was 12 years of age. And there was a time when uh, our family went through the, the well, we're still in the faith movement, I call it, but there was a prosperity uh, movement at one time. And it still happens. And, and listen, I'm not going to bash prosperity. God, is, God loves prosperity. God wants you to prosper. He, he, the Bible says he prefers you prosper. He wants you to prosper. And now, now there have been ministers, and I'm not saying all of them, but there have been some ministers who have taken that way too far. I get that. And they're taking the, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, he'll add everything else to your life. And they talk about that. And they, and they take that scripture. And these ministers that take it too far, they say you can have whatever you want. Just whatever you want, you just begin to talk about it. You begin to confess it. And, and here's the thing. 
And that's not all wrong. But here's what I found. If you seek God first and His righteousness, it changes something in you where the things don't matter. And the priority changes. God doesn't care if you have stuff. He just wants stuff to have you. So, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I love prosperity. I'm not preaching. I'm not saying anything wrong with it. But I'm saying, listen, you've got to balance it. You know, you've got to balance it. But if you put him first, you begin to watch how your heart changes and how your desires change. And it's all of a sudden, it's not like, well, I wanted that million dollars. Now I want to bless somebody. That's what happens when you put God first. Your, your heart begins to change and things begin to happen. I don't know who that's for. Maybe somebody online. You guys look pretty holy in here today. Maybe somebody online need to hear that. So, Listen, this is going to be a great week for you. This is what we call, you know, hump day on Wednesday. But I want to say this. Thank you for coming to church. Because you have a lot of other things you could do. And, you know, Trace and I were talking about this the other night, you know, and, and I've been a minister for 30, 33 years now I've been in ministry. Been a pastor for 20 of those years. And guys, just to be honest with you, sometimes as a pastor you think, Where's everybody at? Why aren't people committed? Why don't they come? You know, I just don't. I, and you say, well, man, do this program or do that program? And, and you know, that's not, that's not it. No. That's not it. It's not about program. And, you know, sometimes it just gets frustrated. You just, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just being real with you guys. I'm glad you live in a, I live in a glass house. So I'll be real with you. I think, you know, why won't people, why aren't people committed? Why won't they come? Why aren't they? And it seems like for 20 years, you know, we hit the ball, we dragged the people. I'm just like, God, when does that change? You know what God spoke to me and said? That doesn't change. It doesn't change. But when they begin to put me first, Craig, this is what God showed me. When they begin to put me first, he goes, you watch how things begin to fill up in the church. Priorities change. And here's the thing. God told me, you can't do that for them. You, you can't do that for them. And I think what's helped me the most is getting released from that. Because I don't, I mean, like I say, you know, I know you've never been a pastor, but man, that can wear on you. And that can wear on you. The enemy uses things like that to wear on me. And I'll tell you what, I've, I've come to the conclusion, you know who I'm going to minister to? All that show up. All that show up. All that take time to tune in online. That's who I'm going to minister to. And the next time some, a pastor asks me how many people I have going to my church, you know what I'm going to tell them? All that want to come. I'm, gonna get, I'm not giving them a number. I'm going to say all that want to come. That's who, I'm, that's who we minister to. How big is our church? All that want to come. That's how big it is. You know what? And I'm going to focus on the Word of God and the purpose of God and the plan of God for my life. And I want to watch God begin to do things in people's life. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it for people. I'd love to, but I can't. You know. But God will. God will. Father, we thank you for this night. I thank you for every person that took time to be here, to come, to hear your word. And Father God, it's been preached. Now, Father God, I pray that it manifests, that seed go forth in their spiritual life, Lord God, and that it, it, it come up and it take root. And Lord, much fruit is produced, not because I preached it, 
Lord, because it's your word and it can't return void. And we thank you for that. And we praise you for that. And in Jesus' name, we give you all that praise. Amen. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, you're welcome. I ask you to come up. And I love to pray for you, okay? Need prayer for anything. Be watching online. Thank you for taking an hour out of your night and watching online, tuning in. We appreciate that. Um, and other than that, you are dismissed. Sunday, I'm going to preach again.